Okay, here's our haiku. Peace is a good thing. So let's ignore it completely. Harris is horrid. This is Gene, and you're listening to Dumbasses Talking Politics. Hey, hey, this is Gene. How you guys doing tonight? Listening to Dumbasses Talking Politics. And we've got some great news. And this is going to be a big deal for President Trump. This is going to be a huge deal for President Trump. A historic peace agreement has been made between Israel and the United Arab Emirates. This is big because it's the first peace agreement between Israel and any of the Arab states in over 25 years. According to Fox News, quote, The president, Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu and Crown Prince of Abu Dhabi and Deputy Supreme Commander of the United Arab Emirates, Sheikh Mohammed bin Zayed, released a joint statement Thursday after the three spoke and agreed to a full normalization of relations between Israel and the United Arab Emirates. I've got goosebumps. I think this is I think this is pretty awesome. Okay, uh, okay, goosebumps down. Uh, continue the quote. The statement said that the diplomatic breakthrough was at quote, the request of President Trump, end quote, and that Israel will, quote, suspend declaring sovereignty over areas outlined in the president's vision for peace and focus its effort on expanding ties with other countries of the Arab and Muslim world. This is, I can't tell you, this was big. President Trump tweeted, quote, huge breakthrough today. Historic peace agreement between our two great friends, Israel and the United Arab Emirates. This is a huge victory for President Trump right before the election. This agreement has been worked on for the last three and a half years, quietly. Benjamin Netanyahu said that it is an important agreement because he believes that other Arab nations will begin to negotiate normalizing relationships with Israel. I believe that's probably going to happen. This will also put pressure on terrorist states like Iran. Uh, Needless to say, Iran and uh, the Palestinians, whatever that is, those people not thrilled about this whole thing. The two countries will sign a treaty normalizing their relationship. They'll negotiate things like trade, investment, tourism, direct flights, security, telecommunications, technology, energy, healthcare, culture, the environment, and the establishment of reciprocal embassies and other areas that will mutually benefit each country. This is awesome. Of course, Iran and the Palestinians are pissed off about it, and the media is trying to ignore it, and they should try and ignore it, because if they want Biden to win, this is not going to be a thing for Biden. This is actually the opposite of what Biden did. And it also disproves that the warmonger president is creating peace agreements in the Middle East. It tears tears apart a piece of their narrative. This is a bad thing for the media, so of course they're not going to play it. This will not be a story by Friday. Just like the assassination of two of the worst terrorists in Iraq, Iran were. Now, here, here's the big thing about this whole thing. We can't forget this because this is stuff that is happening. 
While President Trump is dealing with all sorts of domestic crisis, he's also dealing with um, international crisis, and international crisis still exists. Iran is still a problem. Russia is still a problem. China is still a problem. We need to not forget that there is a bigger world that we need to deal with. And this looks really, really good. This was a, this is a huge feather in the president's cap. Now, for some reason, and I haven't heard, well, I, I haven't heard any reason why, but Joe Biden is taking some responsibility for this. I don't quite know how. I haven't read anything about it, but apparently he said something today during a press conference that he had a lot to do with this and that, well, <coughs> talks between the two countries didn't start for three years ago. And President Trump was the one who said, could you guys get together? Let's figure this out. United uh, Arab Emirates has always been an ally of the United States. Israel has always been an ally of the United States. Can you guys figure it out? And let's let's knock it down. Let's go. And Biden who was involved in the Iran nuclear deal, which is, by the way, the enemy of both Israel and the United Arab Emirates. They, he seems to think that had something to do with the peace between Israel and the UAE. I don't know. I don't know. It doesn't make sense to me, but he's old. He's decrepit. Maybe in somewhere in his little mind, he's imagining little elves helping this out. I have no idea. I have absolutely no idea. But let's go to the big story of the day. And that story involves Kamala Harris being presented by Joe Biden as the vice presidential candidate. Now, today is Thursday. This happened on Wednesday. She actually had another. They both had an, I can't believe that Joe Biden got out of his basement long enough to have another talk. But they had another thing today, and uh, a press conference today, and it wasn't even a press conference. It was the press wasn't allowed to ask any questions. But I thought it very telling um, about Kamala Harris and her way of being. So we're going to go over Kamala Harris's comments. And one thing I do want to pronounce, I do want to to bring up, is Kamala is pronounced Kamala. All right? It's not pres- pronounced Kamala or Kamala. I, I can't even pronounce the way Tucker Carlson or Joe Biden pronounced it. But this is the example of the crap we're going to be seeing in the next three months, two months before the election, is that Tucker Carlson pronounced it Kamala, I believe is how he pronounced it. And the media was immediately calling him a sexist and a racist for mispronouncing her name. Now, they ignored the fact that Joe Biden mispronounced her name during her introduction speech. But it that's not the point. The point is she has kind of a strange name. It's not a name that is common. So the other major conflict was the fact that President Trump called her nasty nasty. She's a nasty human being. Well, let's see. 
She's a nasty human being because of what she did to Brett Kavanaugh. She's a nasty human being because of what she did to Joe Biden during one of the debates. Um, and to be honest with you, uh, Donald Trump calls everyone nasty. As a matter of fact, uh, one research group actually found that, and I have to look it up, I, I don't know who it is, but one research group found that President Trump has used the term nasty about 996 times. And I honestly, that's not an exaggeration. It's probably more. And he's called everyone nasty. I, so somehow when he calls Kamala Harris nasty, it's suddenly racist and sexist. This is what's going to end up happening. And I talked about this yesterday when Kamala Harris was actually nominated, that now it's going to be everything is racism and sexism which is why they probably wanted a black woman as the vice presidential candidate. Well, here's a newsflash. She's nasty. She's a terrible human being. She's pretty, but she's a terrible human being. And we're going to go over some of the, her uh, speech yesterday because I think her speech yesterday really showed she's a terrible human being. So let's, let's take a look at the first part of her speech. No, I won't lie here. I, I can't lie here. This part is going to take up about 20 minutes and the peace deal with Israel and UAE is far more important but this is how stupid our country has come become we're paying attention to Kamala Harris and her ripping people okay so here's her first quote in the speech this is a moment of real consequence for America everything we care about our economy, our health, our children, the kind of country we live in, it's all on the line. We're reeling from the worst public health crisis in a century. The president's mismanagement of the pandemic has plunged us into the worst economic crisis since the Great Depression. And we're experiencing a moral reckoning with racism and systemic injustice that has brought a new coalition of conscience to the streets of our country demanding change. Some things to point out. This was not worse than the Great Depression or even comparable. The Great Depression lasted for 10 years and there is proof that the recession is that this recession is already recovering. I would even argue this recession was not worse than the recession of 2008. Economists are saying that we're not going to have a U-shaped recovery, but there is evidence that we're going to have the V-shaped recovery that Trump has been touting. That we're not going to the economy is not going to fix itself slowly. It's going to fix itself almost immediately. Notice the stock market. It's been going up. The stock market is only about a thousand points from where it was before the pandemic started. We went from four. The second thing, we went from four percent unemployment to twenty percent unemployment when the pandemic hit, to fifteen hundred. 15% unemployment last month to 10% unemployment this month. That doesn't sound like a slow recovery. It sounds like that we need to have some balls and just open our economy. So I'm not exactly sure what she's looking at. By the way, 
when President Obama took office, his unemployment numbers were actually quite high. He was at close to 10% unemployment. The problem we have is the second this economy opens, the second this economy opens, it's going to explode. Uh, President Trump knows it. Economists know it. The stock market knows it. That's why everyone's all excited. Open the fucking economy. Tell people, except those who could be in trouble, go out there. She's basically lying about this. Or she doesn't understand economics. It could be either. Finally, the worst, as far as I'm concerned, is people in the streets are fighting because of injustice. They're not fighting because they've been stuck inside all day or for the last three or four months or they don't know what's actually going on. They're fighting for injustice. I hate this because this is not an unjust country. I am tired of hearing about how this is an unjust country. But this might be a little peek into the psyche of Kamala Harris. If she starts playing on the terms, and I think she's smart enough she won't, that this is a bad country, and this is probably going to be the next president, let's call it, she's probably going to be president three months after Joe Biden does his um, his oath. She, this is a scary human being to have in office. Here's a little bit more. Listen to this. Kamala Harris for the people. The people. That's who I represented as district attorney, fighting on behalf of victims who needed help. The people. That's who I fought for as California's attorney general when I took on transnational criminal organizations who traffic in guns and drugs and human beings. And it's the people who I have fought for as a United States senator, where I've worked every day to hold Trump officials accountable to the American people. And the people are who Joe and I will fight for every day in the White House. This is not a good look for her. I could hear the balls of the anarchists, Bernie bros, and the Antifa twist. One of the things that Kamala's record that the left doesn't like is that she put a lot of people in jail. But as time goes by, they will forgive her. She is corrupt. She used prisons to further her agenda. Let's take a look at some of the things she's done. One, she withheld evidence that would have let an innocent go. She was rebuked for this by a judge. She extended the sentences of criminals so that they could complete their menial, low-paying jobs. Tulsi Gabbard brought this up in uh, one of the... Uh, in one of the debates and practically killed her presidential run. I'll go a step further. It did kill her presidential run. She threatened to incarcerate parents and children if the kids were truant. So much for rehabilitation. What's worse, she was ineffective as a prosecutor and district attorney. Crime never went down in San Francisco. It just went up. Now, I said that the left would forgive her. And the reason they would forgive her, and if you remember the Bernie bros comments way back, she's not afraid of gulags or unjust incarceration. She 
doesn't care about that. It's about power with her. Listen, at best, we can say she was ineffective. At worst, we can say she was corrupt. I choose the latter. And by the way, I used was as a past tense, is, is what I should be using. Don't forget, she got her job because she was, quote, dating, end quote, the future mayor of San Francisco, the married Willie Brown. Oh, yeah. And she threatened him when her career took off because that relationship would prove to be inconvenient, as it is now. Got a feeling Trump might use this in the next couple of debates. We'll see. So I've got about five comments here. So let's listen to the next one. Here it is. Just look where they've gotten us. More than 16 million out of work. Millions of kids who cannot go back to school. A crisis of poverty, of homelessness, afflicting black, brown, and indigenous people the most. A crisis of hunger, afflicting one in five mothers who have children that are hungry. And tragically, more than 165,000 lives that have been cut short. Many with loved ones who never got the chance to say goodbye. This is just so dishonest. Never in her speech did she mention where the virus came from, which was China. It was all Trump's fault. This is an emotional plea. It's sitting there and putting blame on Trump for everything. There's some things she needs to remember here. First off, states shut down the economy. Not all states closed down. Okay, not all states. A lot of cities closed down their cities. For example, we have a 10%, we, we do have a 10 and a half, I believe it's 10 and a half percent unemployment rate. But in certain states, like Wisconsin, the Dakotas, uh, Montana, some states did not actually close down, and those states are still hanging at between 4 and 6% unemployment. They still, their economies are still going. States like California, New York, um, uh, Maryland, Massachusetts, Seattle, Washington, Oregon, they decided to shut down their states. So... To sit back and say that this was all Trump is just, it's just, it's crazy. This was not just a federal government thing. The states did it too, and some states didn't. States determine when kids go back to school. Not Trump, the federal or the federal government. They have no say in what the uh, schools do. Right now, this is just a terrible, terrible lie by her. As a matter of fact, who's stopping the schools from reopening right now? Everybody, including New York City, wants to open uh, the schools back up because of the dangers to children. I live with a bunch of children. You should see how much weight these kids have gotten, gained. And that's because they have nothing to do. They need school. They need, um, they need that socialization. But the teachers' unions are the ones that are actually keeping the schools down. They're the ones that are actually fighting to keep the school shut down. So these, these teachers, they want to get paid, but they don't want to work. Homelessness and drugs were always a problem. They were a problem well before Trump took the white, was in the White House. And they were a problem, again, in the same... Well, it actually, drugs affects everything. But the homeless problem, those that's, again, a leftist problem. Where are the most homeless? New York, Chicago, Seattle, 
uh, Washington, D.C., San Francisco, Los Angeles, I think I said that, uh, Portland. These are all democratically run. Those are the state, states, Baltimore, with the most homeless. And, more precisely, most drugs. So that's just dishonest. She's a very cynical person, and she's just going to get worse, especially when policies start coming out and she has to start defending policies because she can't debate. I know she's supposed to be this fantastic lawyer that everyone keeps saying. She's really not a good debater. And she's when Pence gets a hold of her next month uh, during, the, um, during the debates, just expect a lot of this cynic cynicism, a lot of this negativity, it's going to keep coming out. She's going to continue to be like this. Let's listen to the next comment. It didn't have to be this way. Six years ago, in fact, we had a different health crisis. It was called Ebola. And we all remember that pandemic. But you know what happened then? Barack Obama and Joe Biden did their job. Only two people in the United States died. Two. That is what's called leadership. But compare that to the moment we find ourselves in now. When other countries are following the science, Trump pushed miracle cures he saw on Fox News. While other countries were flattening the curve, he said the virus would just poof, go away. Quote, like a miracle. So when other countries opened back up for business, what did we do? We had to shut down again. This virus has impacted almost every country. But there's a reason it has hit America worse than any other advanced nation. It's because of Trump's failure to take it seriously from the start. His refusal to get testing up and running his flip-flopping on social distancing and wearing masks, his delusional belief that he knows better than the experts. Again, something just dumb. Ebola, first off, let's get, let's get her facts right, because she's so stupid, and this is the, the crap. She will get killed if anyone asks her a question, or if anyone decides to ask her a question, because no one does, apparently. They had another, they had another uh, briefing today, and they didn't even allow reporters to ask questions. At one time, they had another briefing about putting on masks all the time, and they shuffled the reporters out of the room. It was stupid. But here's the facts about Ebola. Ebola was an outbreak. It was not a pandemic. It was really contained in South, in West Africa. A couple of doctors brought it back. Ebola is a far deadlier disease than COVID-19, but transmission is through body, bodily fluids only. It is not easily, you can't get it that easily. There has to be uh, bleeding or um, bleeding or um, through fecal touching, things like that. So it's really difficult to get Ebola. And I noticed one thing, she didn't mention bird flu or H1N1. Do you know why she didn't mention that? Because the Obama-Biden administration jacked that one up completely. As a matter of fact, there were more deaths from H1N1 than there should have been, and there was no question about that. Um, finally, after dealing with three epidemics, or whatever you want to call them, and actually, 
Ebola is not, it's a hemorrhagic fever. So it's not a respiratory disease. It's not like COVID. Um, the Obama administration actually used some of their reserves of PPEs, ventilators, and respirators, and they never refilled the inventory, the federal reserves for that stuff. So when we actually got hit with COVID-19, we didn't have enough PPEs. We theoretically didn't have enough ventilators or respirators, and they all had to be built because the, the reserves were empty. Whose fault is that? That is Obama's fault. They used it and they never refilled it. So this is just a disgusting thing to say, and it's just not true. The Biden administration and the Trump, uh, the Obama Biden administration did not deal with epidemics well, and they weren't dealing with pandemics. They were dealing with epidemics. So this is a little bit bigger. As far as how our country is the worse than any of the wealthy countries in the world, that's just not true either. The United States is 10th on the deaths per million list behind Italy, England, Belgium, Peru, and Sweden. We also have to pretty much assume that we are behind China. I can't believe China has fewer deaths than the United States. That bullshit where they only have... 4,000 deaths. Yeah, I, I, they just shut down their economy again. They just shut down uh, Wuhan again. So I kind of doubt they only have 4,000 deaths. I also remember when the Democrats were wasting the time during an trying to impeach Trump. Yeah, that was this year. Believe it or not, that was only eight months ago. <laughs> Trump was, stopping a uh, was starting a travel band, uh, ban from China. So China was not going to be able to travel back and forth. Something everyone called him a xenophobe for before. He took it so serious, he actually thought it important enough to include COVID-19 in a State of the Union address at the end of January. Do you know who wasn't taking it seriously? Nancy Pelosi. Bill de Blasio. The health administrator for New York. These guys were all screaming that we should go to Chinatown and not worry about uh, uh, COVID-19. Go to Chinatown and celebrate and don't be, don't be afraid. And then now we're being told that, you know, Trump didn't take it seriously. Now, does Trump say things? Yeah, he does. Uh, he, he does. That's what he does. He talks. And that's fine. I, I, I understand one of the things, one of the reasons why I think he's going to have a difficult time in this election is because he does talk too much and he says stupid things. But I also think what he, when, what she is saying, that's not what he said, because I've heard him saying it will go away. It will go away. He's the president of the United States. He's supposed to calm people. And that's what he was doing going during those speeches. I heard him. Do you know why I heard him? Because I was at home being uh, being kept away and listening to every day, every one of his speeches every day because there was nothing else to do. He was trying to calm people, but she doesn't get that. Anything to lie. And I'm telling you, this is this is how she is. She's just a miserable person. She's an she's just a liar. Okay, and the last little clip here. Trump is also the reason millions of Americans are now unemployed. He inherited the longest economic expansion in history from Barack Obama and Joe Biden. And then, like everything else he inherited, he ran it straight into the ground. 
Because of Trump's failures of leadership, our economy has taken one of the biggest hits out of all the major industrialized nations with an unemployment rate that has tripled as of today. Here, here's the problem with Harris. Um, we've got, like, I don't know, numbers, right? Numbers. So I seem to remember that Trump got an unemployment down to 4%, whereas Obama's crap policies kept unemployment between 8 and 10%. I remember that black unemployment was down under Trump to 5%, the lowest it was since the 1960s. In fact, Hispanic youth and female unemployment were all down to around 5%. Trump did not lose jobs for people. COVID-19 cost people their jobs. A black swan event that was created in China, and by a black swan event, I mean no one could have predicted this. Oh, yeah. And as of July, unemployment has fallen 4.5% to 10.5% unemployed. That's down from 20% two months ago. That seems like a pretty positive V-shaped recovery, not a U-shape, like I'm sure the Democrats are hoping, because they don't care if people are actually stuck at home and can't work. And I love when they say that the reason that the economy was good because of the eight years of Obama. Okay, Obama did have an eight-year recovery, but it was off of a recession, which means we couldn't go much lower. And it was the slowest recovery outside of the Great Depression. Obama's recovery was eight years, and it was never it never was completed. It took Trump to complete it. Let's take a look at some facts. Trump thought Obama's policies absolutely sucked ass for business. And so what did he do? He overturned a boatload of Obama's regulations on business, including lowering the uh, payroll tax. This is, this is something a lot of people don't quite understand. Oh, well, yeah, it was going up and then Trump took office and so it just continued to go up. Well, yeah, that's true, except in order for it to go straight up, don't forget, the stock market went up about 10,000 points since freaking... And it's already close to where it was before uh, when uh, Trump took office over Obama. And let's not forget, um, the black unemployment, for example, was at 15 to 20 percent under Obama. It went down to 5 percent. That can't be just because he inherited a recovery. He didn't just inherit a recovery. He had to do some work to change the way business could run so that businesses could work. The GDP under Obama administration never had a quarter where it went over 2%. That is the lowest GDP increase for any president in the history of the United States. That's a big term. That's a big statement. Trump, on the other hand, has only had one quarter pre-COVID, has had one quarter where it didn't go over 3%. And by the way, 3%, 2.5%. 2%, 2 to 2, 2 to 3% is about average. 3% is great. 4% and you're a god. You win the next election. They they make you king. All right. So he's been raising GDP like crazy since he took office. Why? Because businesses are working. Trump gave us a tax cut. 
Combine this with lower regulations. Combine this with the payroll tax cut. Combine this with the high GDP. People's consumer, the consumer confidence has been way up. In fact, if you look at it right now, consumer confidence is way up. Even now, a lot of people don't have jobs, but people are going out. I know I live with a family. Everyone's been buying bikes because they're trying to get some exercise. Consumer confidence is up. And this is a good thing. Here's the thing. This is going to be the difference between... I'm done playing. I'm at 30 minutes. I want to finish. Uh, Here's the thing with Kamala Harris and Joe Biden, for that matter. All these guys do is just bitch about something. That's all they do. They hate Trump. Trump's this. Trump's that. Okay, that's fine. That's fine. But that's not a policy. That's a problem. So you think Trump didn't do a good job with coronavirus, COVID-19. And I'm going to be one that says, yeah, there's some good, there's some bad. I, I think there are some things Trump could have done better. I think Trump did by closing uh, the borders with China. I think that was a great thing. But here's here's what's really important to understand. They have no answers. So here's a question, Kamala. Here's a question, Joe. Stop bitching about what Trump did. What would you have done? I mean, because when Trump closed, when Trump did the travel ban with China, Biden called him a xenophobe. He called him a xenophobe. That's not... I'm not making that up. There's video out there. I love technology. He called him a xenophobe. Nancy Pelosi was in Bill de Blasio. Hey, let's all go to Chinatown. Don't worry about COVID. It's not going to be a big deal. And yet Trump says stupid stuff. But Trump always says stupid stuff. Matter of fact, that's how he's going to lose this election if he keeps saying stupid stuff. Stop saying stupid stuff, Mr. President. Stop tweeting unless it's something great. But here's the whole thing. Um, Today, because I wrote this last night, I mean, today they're talking about, uh, Biden was talking about doing a mask mandate, a federal government mask mandate, which, by the way, is illegal. Can't do that. But who's going to, it's just, it's a stupid thing to say. It's like he doesn't even know what's going on. And she's writing the tales. She's saying the same thing. Oh, yeah, we need a mask mandate, blah, blah, blah. (sighs) You people are insane. And this is the third day, and they still have not taken any questions from any reporters. And mind you, they control who they actually talk to. So it's not like um, they're going to be interviewed by Fox News or The Daily Wire. They're going to get interviewed by CNN, MSNBC, Biden and Harris are so out of sync. I I believe this is what it is. Biden is out of I think Biden's out of sync with everything because I think his mental abilities are kind of damaged. But they are so out of sync. They don't even want to talk to the press. How long is this going to go? Can this go? I'm not even sure they're going to debate. I know they've got three debates set up in September. I'm not sure that's going to happen. We'll have to see. But these two, I mean, they're just dishonest. They're negative. They're really negative people. And this is the problem. I think this is a problem for the Democrats. Democrats are going to have a huge problem if they can't be seen as nothing but negative, negative, negative all the time. This doesn't work. I mean, this peace deal should have been something that's 
everyone's talking about. This is a huge peace deal between the UAE and Israel. I mean, Yemen and a couple of other countries are already negotiating with Israel to get this done. And this is Nobel Prize winning stuff for Trump. And then we fi- I find out today that Kushner, his uh, Trump's uh, son-in-law, actually worked with Israel and the UAE to get the deal done. So Trump had a direct hand in it. There have only been three, two other countries that have had normalized relations with, um, with Israel. Jordan in 1994 and Egypt back in the 70s. That was with, under Carter. I mean, this is a big deal. No one's talking about it. We're talking about stupid crap like masks again. I mean, geez. So frustrating. It's going to be interesting to see. I, I can't wait. I hope Trump can get his stuff together because I really think we, we can't go down the Biden-Harris thing because oh, Susan Rice is secretary. Oh, my state. Oh, my God. No. Okay. Well, you can follow me on Twitter at RunninFool, R-U-N-N-I-N-F-E-W-L. You can download or listen to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Podbean, Podcast Addict, Stitcher, and YouTube. Uh, visit my website at www.dumbassestalkingpolitics.com where you can take a look at all the notes. I've got some videos on there. Uh, if you want to see all 40 minutes, I've got the C-SPAN video there. Um, have a great weekend. And this is Gene, and you've listened to Dumbasses Talking Politics.